And so without further ado, we just go jump right into the word. I'm going to pray. I am just excited to just share with you this morning. So let us pray. Father God, we thank you just for the newness that we get a chance to experience each time we take the moment to enjoy your word. Your Bible tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that is true through and through. And so on this morning, as we begin to just dig deep into your word, I pray that it touches the hearts of each and every person that is listening to this message, whether they're doing it today or days from now. But my prayer is that as the word is sent forth, that it would touch them in the place that they're in and it will change things that they have been anticipating, that they have been believing will change in their lives. And so, Father, we bless your name this morning. We thank you for the richness of the word and that it is always applicable to our lives despite the situations, despite the circumstances that we are in. And Jesus' most precious name we pray, amen. So, during my study, whoo! just excited. I kept seeing this one phrase, be careful to obey. And so as I began to just meditate upon just that one phrase, when I would listen to a message or uh, just recently heard a pastor give his testimony about how the Lord just opened a window and things for his ministry just began to just catapult. And the one thing that he said was that whatever the Lord has requested of him to do, he was operating to do just that. He went further to say that he lives life on 50% of his ideas, his opinions, and uh, it results in him being right in the position that he needs to be that when the Lord says to do a thing, he's able to function and to do just that. And because of his obedience, uh, we see the the fruit of it now, and it's it's kind of hard to believe that you know the Lord would just do this one thing and then He would just take off as He as He did. But it's possible, and we even see it, you know, in God's word. And so as I begin to just meditate on just the significance of that one phrase, "Be careful to obey," um, I was blown away as to how many times it shows up in scriptures. It's in there several times. It's woven into the scripture and you can't miss it. It's almost hard to not want to take the time to see what the Lord is actually saying. And so between his promises and then, you know, what happens when we do obey, there's a a blessing that we experience in the midst of that. And so today I just, I wanna take the time to talk about that. And so we know that God loves us. That's, you know, completely understood. We sing the songs, we say it often, but I wanna ask you this morning, do you really know that God loves you? Do you know that in the depth of your being? And so he loves us so much that he longs after a relationship that is not superficial. He wants all of you in totality, the complete, uncensored, unadulterated, 
you. And when we do that, it allows him to shape and change us into who he will have us to be. And so um, much like the heart of man, mom and dad would do everything possible to ensure that their kids will want for nothing. And so as a mom, that is my desire. You experience things in life. You had a certain kind of childhood when you were raised and you kind of make that decision within your heart that when I have children, I want to do things a little different. I don't want them to experience any hardship. And so you take on that approach to try and protect them as a mother hen with their chicks to ensure that they don't experience certain things in life that will cause them harm or even set them back. So you do everything possible to protect them. And so the phrase, be careful to obey, reminds me of the phrase that I've heard my mom use several times. When we walk into this store, don't touch nothing, don't ask for nothing, don't look at nothing, cause what? You ain't getting nothing. And so they are very serious and attentional with telling you those instructions prior to going into the store. So you are not at all confused when you get in the store and things don't come out the way that you want to, want them to in any regard. And so those phrases, that one phrase that sticks out in your mind, and I'm sure you, you thinking back, you've even chuckled, you've laughed like, oh my gosh, yes, you are, you are rustling up some memories. And so it had everything to do with our ability to obey that which was asked of us. So when I hear the phrase, be careful to obey, I think back to when my mom would give an instruction and it was not because she was being mean. It wasn't because she didn't love me. It was because she wanted to see if I had the ability to obey a simple command. And so mom had already had it in her heart that when we go to the store, or it may have been known that when we leave, we're coming out with something. We're not just gonna go to the store and do all the shopping and she's not gonna bless me with something. And we have that thought that I know when it's all said and done, I'm going to get something, but why does she take the initiative to go forth and say, don't do these things? Why is it stressed so much? And so I, will, I would liken to believe that we had to first prove that we were capable of upholding our part of this covenantal agreement. And so whether you believe it or not, parents have a covenant with their children, just the same as the covenant that God has with us as his children. And so today I want to look at a covenant relationship between our father God and the Israelites. And so when I started my journey through the Bible, we you get through Genesis and you hear about the turmoil, the things that the Israelites experienced and they were in slavery. They dealt with, you know, several forms of hardship and you, you, you read all of that. And then when you get to Deuteronomy, it's right around the time that they've been rescued. The Lord has performed the miracle. He's showing up as a pillar of fire by night. And he's, uh, he's showing up as a cloud during the day and he's leading them through the wilderness. What's interesting about 
when I read this story this time is that an 11 days journey took them 40 years to complete. I just want that to sink in a minute. An 11 days journey took 40 years to complete. And then the midst of seeing the Lord split the Red Sea and they walk through on dry ground and the midst of seeing manna come down and it's, you know, the, the ground is covered with it and you can get as much as your family needs. And, and as much as they've seen him drop out people before him, before them, he sent quail to ensure they had meat in the midst of all the miracles that the Lord has done for them, how he provided there was still a level of disobedience. There was still, you know, moments where they just didn't connect. When the Lord would ask them to do something, they would just set on doing whatever it is they wanted to do. And so here, our golden text is actually found in Deuteronomy 8. So I'm going to open it up. Uh, and the first verse says, Be careful to obey all the commands I am giving you today. This is Moses talking to the Israelites and he's preparing them to go into the land flowing with milk and honey, uh, the promised land that, it, that the Lord has promised unto the Israelites. And so he's taking the time to do what all of our moms have done at some point or another. When we get in this store, you've heard the speech, you've heard it said. So he's taking this moment before we get into the promised land. Before you enter it, I want to first have this conversation so you understand what this agreement is that you've made with our Father God. And so he says, be careful to obey all the commands I am giving you today. Then you will live and multiply and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. And then I'm going to jump down to verse five. And then he says, think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. And so as we look at Deuteronomy 8, the first six verses, he begins to just go through a list of things that the Lord has already done. He tells them in verse 2, remember, how the Lord, your God, led you through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you will obey his command. So there's a point when the Lord gives them an instruction, there's a proving that takes place. Just like when your parents give an instruction, when I tell my kids, I want you to do thus and so, there's a, a window of grace where I give them a moment to process what was said and then to carry out what I've asked of them to do. And so it's not because I don't think you're capable, but just as the Lord is testing your character, we do it to test our children's character. We're, we're wanting to build character within our children that when you're told to do a certain thing that you will carry it out. And so in verse three, he says, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. 
for all these 40 years, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not blister as well. And so he's putting into their remembrance that before you get into the promised land, I want you to take this moment and remember what the Lord has already done for you. And so if I had to add a subtitle to this message, I would call it, what did God say? What did the Lord tell you to do that you have not been careful to obey, that you've ignored or that you kind of smushed down, you know, within your spirit, hoping that either he will forget or that he will ignore it or that his grace will just, you know, allow you to move past it. What exactly has the Lord asked of you to do that you have not been careful to obey? And so here in these first six script uh, verses, we see that Moses reminds the people, he's like, bah, 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 bah. before we go into the promised land, we need to have a conversation. We need to make sure that you and God and I are on the same accord. We need to make sure that we have a full understanding of what is about to take place so that you don't think you got here by your own accord or that you don't feel that you've been entitled to the promised land all these years and it's about time that the Lord has opened the door. And so he takes the time to say, be careful to obey all the commands. That means nothing missing. That doesn't mean it's highlighted. This portion you get to follow and that portion you don't. He says all the commands I am giving you today. And then you will live. And then he said, and multiply. So there is increase that he's talking about. And then he talks about the covenant that he promised to their ancestors. So they're receiving a residual blessing that they're about to walk into. And so God prepares the Israelites for entering the promised land. He, he prepares them for the promised covenant that was promised to their ancestors way back when. And so I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And in verse number 12, it says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? And so I'm liking to ask that question of you today. We've experienced in our, our life in this season right now, uh, this Corona thing that's taking place. And so you have more time on your hand that you've had before. And so the excuse that I don't have time to do thus and so is kind of eh, non-existent. You can't use that phrase anymore. And so here they're being asked the question. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear him. So that's reverence. The word fear here means to reverence, to revere, to esteem, and to hold highly and live in a way that pleases him. So he, he wants you to live in a fashion that's pleasing unto him. 
So the Ten Commandments have already been given. They've already been instructed, you know, don't intermingle, don't marry, you know, these people that you come in contact with. When we go in to drive them out of the nation, I don't want you to start to pick off the cutest guys for your kids or the cutest girls for your children. I want you to kill them all. And he was very intentional with his instructions. And so he wants you to live in a place in a way that pleases him. And then he says, and to love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And so we serve a God of love. And so we see firsthand what love encompasses, what, what it means to actually walk in love with our father. And so he's intentional to say, I want you to fear me. I want to be reverent. I want to be revered. I want to be esteemed highly because of all the things that I've done for you, that should be easy for you to do. He said, and then I want you to live in a way that pleases me. I've been very intentional. I've given you line upon line, precept upon precept. I've given you the commandments. I've told you exactly what it is that you should be doing. So that should be easy. And then he says, I want you to love me with all of your heart and your soul. So that means I won't allow anything or anybody to hold that first place seat in my heart because it belongs to God. That's what he's asking. Love me enough that despite whatever's going on in your situation with your family, your life circumstances, that I am still number one. That it, that's what he's asking. And so Deuteronomy chapter nine, verse four, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, after the Lord your God has done this for you, don't say in your hearts, the Lord has given us this land because we were good people. That sounds like entitlement. He says, no, it's because of the wickedness of the other nations that he is pushing them out of your way. It is not because you were so good or you have such integrity that you are about to occupy their land. He says, no, this is the Lord saying, please boo, don't get it twisted. You've done absolutely nothing to earn this seat on the bus that you are, you, you're about to travel upon. And so he says, the Lord your God will drive out these nations ahead of you only because of their wickedness and to fulfill the oath he swore to your ancestors, Abraham. So here again, we see that it's because of a covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they are experiencing this favor, this moment where they get a chance to enter the promised land. He said, you must recognize that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land because you are good for you are not. You are a stubborn people. He makes it clear. It's amazing to me how we serve a perfect God and yet he desires to love Marquita in the midst of her imperfection. And here we see that he's saying that I'm going to bless you. I'm blessing you because 
of a promise of a covenant that I made with your, your, your ancestors way back when I'm doing it because of their walk with me. So we're receiving the residual promises that the Lord has laid out for us. And so I'm liking to believe that we all have children that every now and again, they feel that they're entitled to certain things in this life that they feel that I'm do this. You owe me because I'm me because I'm your kid. It's what you should do. But I'll, I'll be the first to say, according to the government, we're supposed to provide adequate housing. We're supposed to ensure that you have a bed to sleep in. And we're supposed to ensure that you have three square meals. Snacks are optional. I'm just going to put that out there. Just, you know, being a little serious and that we ensure that you are educated and you follow and obey the laws of the land. That's that's in essence what we're supposed to do and that you have clothes. And so the extent of what that looks like is really on us for us to decide. Payless makes shoes that you can walk in. They, they still work, laces that tie up. You know, the Goodwill sells pretty good clothes that, that are in good condition that ain't been worn out. I can get them at a fourth of the price. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. And so the Lord is saying to them, don't get it twisted that you think that you've been so good that I'm bringing you into this promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. You've done absolutely nothing to deserve it. And that's the testament of many of our lives. When the Lord opens a door on our behalf, it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I've earned it or that I deserve it. It's because of his love, his mercy, his grace that he's done it for me. And so he's telling the Israelites, get it out your mind. I know the thoughts that you have. The Lord knows what you're thinking. He already is aware. And so he's telling them, don't think because you're so good that you're deserving of this. But I want you to understand it's because of my covenant agreement with your ancestors way back when that the door has only been opened unto you. And so... When you get the opportunity to cross over into this land that is plenteous, where you get a chance to multiply, where you get a chance to experience an abundant life that you've never experienced before, where you get a chance to experience my expansion on your life, where you see what I will multiply and do for you and things begin to just grow and they manifest. Don't assume that I've done it because you've been so good. He's saying, child of God, I'm doing it because I had a covenantal agreement with your ancestors that this door has been opened unto you. So I don't know who I'm ministering to at this moment, but the Lord is saying, there has been some things that I've asked of you to do I've asked you to be careful to obey and it's not because I don't love you and it's not because I don't want to provide for you. It has nothing to do with that, but it, it has everything to do with the fact that I want you to be in the place that when I bless you, you're ready to receive it. 
You can obtain it. You can handle it. And then you can go forth and do the things that I've asked of you to do. And so he's letting them know, don't be confused. I've done this for you. You've done nothing to deserve it. And so we see that grace isn't always um, entitled or what belongs to us. It's, it's that one thing that God provides to us. It's a gift because we don't deserve it. And so we also know that if you continue to read into Deuteronomy towards the end, uh, we see that neither Moses or Aaron make it into the promised land. The Lord gave them, I want to say one job to do. And that was to give them the people water because they were thirsty. And he gave specific instructions on how they were supposed to do it. And because they failed to obey, the Lord says, you will not enter into the promised land. It took me a while as I'm reading God's word. And, and this is always the part that I get, you know, kind of stuck at. But it's like, but Lord, you know, they've done so much. They've, they've walked out through your ways. They've been faithful. They've done, you know, all of these things that you've asked them to do. They've interceded on the behalf of the Israelites. They've, he's carried a great, a many a burden for the people and he don't even get a chance to go into the promised land. And the Lord takes him to a mountain. He takes Moses to a mountain and allows him to see what he's promised. And then he dies. I would hate for the Lord to take me to a place where I can see the manifestation of the things that I've been praying for, that I've been believing for, and that he's promised unto me and he shows it to me, but I don't get a chance to experience it. And so I want to take a look at Leviticus 26, one through nine. Here we'll take a look at what the Lord promises unto us when we do obey. What happens when we do obey? And so in Leviticus 26, in Leviticus 26, and I want to start at verse number one. He says, don't make idols or set up carved images or sacred pillars or sculptured stones in your land so that you may worship them. I am the Lord, your God. You must keep the Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary because I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with grape harvest and your grape harvest will overlap with seasons of planting grain. You will eat your field and live securely in your land. I will give you peace in the land and you will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, 
you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your own swords. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All of your enemies will be beneath your sword. I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. And I will feel, fulfill your cov my covenant with you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you would need a, to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your heads held high. Hallelujah. And so here we see oh, just so much richness that the Lord is now making a covenant with the Israelites. And he's telling them that if you are careful to obey, I first want you to understand that I am the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God. So I don't want you to have any other idols, any graven images. Don't make somebody to worship because you got me. And then he tells them, keep the Sabbath days. I want you to rest. I took six days to create the world and I took a day off. So I want you to do the same. I want you to not be so consumed with trying to make a dollar, with trying to produce fruits and, and have a crop that's plenteous. I don't want you to be so consumed with trying to have the next best thing, the, the newest car, the, the finest of clothing and things of that nature. But I want you to honor me one day out of the week by taking a Sabbath. That's when, you know, the Lord is saying, just take a day to do nothing. Don't labor. Don't continue to run the rat race. Don't assume that if I work seven days, I'll be that much further ahead. Basically, what he is saying is if I took a day to rest, you should take a day to rest. He's also saying that don't be so consumed in believing that the work that you're doing, that you're running hard after achieving these things, that you've done it on your own accord. He is saying, take a day to rest. I want you to take a day to rest and recognize that I am your provider. I am ensuring that you're gonna have everything you need. And he tells them that if you follow my decrees, I would send you seasonal rain. And so because they had crops during that time, rain was important. And so he's like, you don't even have to worry about your crops being watered. I'm going to ensure that as the seasons change out, the crops will be watered. You have what you need. He said the, the land will yield its crops and the tree of the field will produce their fruit. So that's provision. He said, your threshing season will overlap the great season. So that to me says there's an overflow. He's going to ensure that you have more than enough. He's saying you will eat your field and live securely in your land. To me, that sounds like protection. Hallelujah. 
I will give you peace in the land and you will sleep with no cause of fear. How many of you have had a, a, a really good restful night's sleep? I mean, just take a moment to think about that. Have you been so consumed with that Corona is ruining my family's life that I have so many bills that have to be paid that I can't rest at night. That is a horrible feeling to have that when you go to lay down to go to sleep, that you don't have sound rest. You don't have peace because you're constantly laboring in your mind as to how you can fix and what can I do to, to get this done? What kind of part-time job can I do to, to get ahead because you feel that you're behind? And here the Lord is saying, I'll give you peace. There is nothing like the peace of God. Hallelujah. That drives away any fear that you may have. And so he tells the people, I will give you peace. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. You don't even have to worry about somebody trying to come and ask or run you out of your land or put you out, so to speak. I'm going to give you peace and I'm going to protect that which I blessed unto you. He said, in fact, when you go to war, five would chase a hundred and a hundred would chase 10,000. That means I'm going to uh, endow you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to make you capable I'm going to give you just what you need to drive out the enemy should they even attempt to try and take what I've given unto you. And so he goes forward and say, I will look favorably upon you. How many of you know that a day of the Lord's favor is much better than a hundred days or a thousand days that you can even put into your mind to try and work to get ahead? If the Lord would bless, if he just touches that one idea that you have, you have the ability to make millions upon millions. And so here the Lord is, is promising that I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. So that means you'll be able to have children and you'll have a seed that you can leave a legacy for. And then he said, I will fulfill my covenant with you. So here in the, in the verses before that we looked at, he, he talked about consistently the oath, the covenant that he made with his ancestors. But here he's saying that if you are careful to obey, we've been through enough together. You've seen how I provided for you. You've seen how in no, those 40 years your, your clothes didn't wear out, your shoes didn't have holes in it. You've seen that I'm able to provide, I'm able to protect, I'm able to provide peace and, uh, and, and, and get you through some of life's toughest circumstances. And so because of that, because you and I are starting to establish a relationship, we've been in this long enough that now I am going to fulfill my covenant with you.
So he's no longer mentioning the covenant or the oath that he's promised with, his, with, with the ancestors. He's saying today, if you agree to uphold these things, those things that I've asked of you to do, you and I will now be in covenant together. And he says, you will have such a surplus that you will need to clear out old grain to make room for new harvest. So here again, he says, once this covenant is fulfilled, once you've done the things that I've asked of you to do, you've, you've done your part to fulfill your part of the covenant agreement that we are making. He said, but in addition to that, I've already promised that I'm going to bless you. I'm going to ensure that your family multiplies. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ensure that you're in good health and that you're prospering. I'm going to ensure that nothing you need that you'll be without. I'm going to supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. You won't go without anything. When you do your part to fulfill the covenant, I'm going to, on top of that, provide an increase. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to ensure that you have more than enough. He's already promised that you're gonna have more than enough, but here he's saying that you will have so much that you'll need to make room for the addition that he's promising unto you. How many of you want to receive the surplus, the overflow, that God has promised unto you, but here he's saying that it first starts with you fulfilling your end of the covenant, and then you will get the additional things that he said unto you. You have so much that you need to make more room. I will walk among you. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. The Lord is promising his presence will be with you. That's comforting. I will be your God and you'll be my people. And he said, I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. And I will fulfill my covenant with you. Amen.